The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the U.S. and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. Hi everyone, it's Mark Kelly here. I hope you're doing really, really well and you are into an actual treat for our ServiceNow podcast series. And continuing in our federal form, we are absolutely delighted to welcome Nicole Francis Reynolds. Nicole is VP and Global Head of Government Relations at ServiceNow. Nicole, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Nicole, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you get into the world of service now, because we're going to be talking about more your role and what you do day to day. But actually, I'd love to hear more about your actual story to that, because it's, it's a pretty fascinating one. Absolutely, Mark. So the journey to this role was and has been an unorthodox one. Uh, you know, umpteen years ago, I won't say how long, um, you know, my dream was to become an attorney uh be married by 33 uh be a partner at the law firm i began practicing at um have the house with the picket fence the two children and the dog and fate would have it um and i i often say god has a sense of humor that there was a journey um and has been a journey involved um getting to this place uh and to this amazing company called service now you know i practiced law for um a number of years at um two fantastic law firms uh, global firms at that uh and worked on capitol hill for close to 10 years in a number of senior roles with some amazing members of congress and on a and on a congressional committee uh worked for a fortune 500 company worked for a trade association and and then all of a sudden i received a call from what I call, uh, who I call an angel, um, a recruiter who uh, was looking for someone to lead ServiceNow's global government relations team to create it and and to lead it. Wow! So you were probably just like happy doing what you were doing on that on that journey, and then you you took the call. You're probably thinking to yourself, "What if I didn't take the call?" Right. That's right. That's right. And in fact, because California, I, I live in Washington, D.C., and my family and I live in Washington, D.C., and uh, because ServiceNow is headquartered in California, uh, the message from the recruiter came in around midnight, and it was in my spam box. And think about how many of us go through our spam boxes and automatically delete those messages. And so I looked through them and saw that, and uh, I am so thankful um, you know, that that she reached out to me and uh, and thankful, you know, three years ago, um, almost to the date, um, three years ago, I began this role. That's good. Knowing from working in the staffing industry myself for 15 years, I probably think that that recruiter would have kept coming after you, though, on LinkedIn and stuff. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe the story isn't uh, don't don't worry too much um, on the spam. But I like I like how you think about it. So in your role, tell us about what do you do day to day? Tell us a little bit about your team and you know, what, what does that look like? So our team, I don't know if you have ever watched Scandal, but I often call our team the gladiators because um, there is never a dull moment. There is never a typical day in the world of, of government relations. You know, our role is to represent 
ServiceNow in front of governments around the world. We are to inform them about our amazing platform, all the great things that it does uh, to modernize processes for, uh, you know, from end to end for governments and for corporations um, and nonprofit organizations. And it's to inform them about uh, our use cases, about how we are transforming the lives of people, the military, veterans, um, employees, et cetera, uh, basketball players, you know, those who watch Disney, um, those in the automotive sector, and, and, and others. And so we are to inform them about these great use cases. Uh, and, and we are also to just continue to elevate our brand and we inform members of, um, of governments or, or policymakers around the world about our policy positions on the issues that are keeping them up at night and, and that they are, you know, working on day by day to develop policies around the world and, and to, to change the, the world that we live in. So I can imagine doing that role within one jurisdiction, one, one, one area. So when you actually take that kind of global perspective on it, with so many different value systems, cultures, the legal perspective, you've got so many different types of nations at different stages of their journey, add in some conflicts and wars in between that, you've got you know, a, an incredible kind of bubbling pot of just so many different types of issues that you need to keep your finger on the pulse of. Where do you even start, you know, trying to create a value proposition that's relevant to that entity area? Because they've got so many different types of needs. Yes. And so so from a corporate perspective and even from a management perspective, I start out and I strive to start out each day by looking at our own dashboard that we have within our ServiceNow intranet site that shows me as a manager, here's what's happening with your employees today. Here's who's in, here's who's out. And then we have um, objectives that we set each year. And oftentimes we recalibrate them as needed. And, and we also have our tier tiered countries that are priorities for us. And so we begin our day, uh, and, and let me, I'd be remiss if I don't say that I begin my day um, with my chief of staff speaking about what our priorities are for the day. He keeps the trains running on time. I love working with Ben. And, um, and so he reinforces for me um, what our must-dos are for the day and what is what's nice to do for the day. And, and it's all based upon what those priorities are, what those objectives are, and and uh, and we try to execute those priorities each day. So, and I love that you, know, you kind of referred it back to you, you've got your dashboard as well. You're looking for that kind of next best action to kind of guide you along the way to do that. And then it's, it's all a case of prioritization. And I can imagine certain things get bumped down and certain things get kind of bumped up. When you look at your kind of shared vision, and working on objectives within that shared vision, how do you kind of keep that kind of within the area that you're in, but also kind of make align that with ServiceNow's kind of more kind of broad vision? Absolutely. And, and you know, our, our mantra is that the world works with ServiceNow. And so naturally, there are so many amazing policy priorities we are working on and use cases that we want to um, scale around the globe. And so we have to go back to what our tier countries are, 
um, for the year, uh, what the, again, what the must do's are for the week or for the month. And, and we, we have to hold each other accountable because it's so easy to say, Hey, this is what's happening, um, this week. Let's go over here. And then we have to kind of pull ourselves back together and remind ourselves, okay, that, that we want to run after is a nice to do. And we can tackle that after we accomplish what we need to today. And so it's never easy, right? But that's that's part of executing, Be, being an effective executive, being an, an effective professional. I think that you know those of us who are dedicated to striving to to execute in the most efficient way, it's just a it's something that you mentally have to embed right in your mind and and stay focused on it and bring yourself back to center. Yeah, and I, I suppose that kind of recess and then just. Keep ensuring that the most important thing is the most important thing, and then you're 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 kind of setting up your your day accordingly around that side of it. And you know that's easier said than done because you got a lot of different screaming voices, but sometimes those voices that are screaming are not the ones that that need to be prioritised as well. So when you look at some of the impact, and you know one of the things that I'm so I suppose I've been not surprised, maybe it's not the right word, but definitely be inspired by the impact service now has had across businesses a variety of different ways and even at k23 they started off from the nonprofit perspective and talking about you know how how society getting impacted by that and getting that right is such a strong foundation a leveler for everything else when you do the work that you do is there any particular case studies or impact areas that you've had recently that kind of give you a bit of a spring to your step that you can reference reference to that actually kind of show, you know what, this is making a difference. Yes, one of the solutions that we are very proud of is technology that helps modernize housing conditions for our servicemen and women. Our solution helps modernize the process for reporting a housing condition that our servicemen and women are facing, like mold or a leaky faucet. It also helps expedite or make more efficient the process for reporting, processing the the request, and then resolving the housing maintenance request. And what we have also found is that our solution helps the agency, the defense agency that is using this technology with regard to inventory and that it can track its inventory much more um, effectively and which also helps reduce costs. So it's it's really a full circle sort of solution that helps the agency. It helps the, the families, the children um, who are impacted. We hear a lot about mold uh, and the need for remediation and the reporting and how long it has been taking historically. And we're just so glad that we have a customer-facing solution that is helping the service men and women uh, and is also helping the employees who actually work day-to-day to modernize housing for these families. Because w- when you think about that, I'm even going to live in more detail on that. So if you are going to you know, work each day, your job is very, very important and you need to have your know, clarity of mind. You don't want to be thinking or getting a phone call to say, here's all the issues that we currently have living at home. And then you're trying to quench those issues because it's hard enough for doing the job that you do. So actually having peace of mind, knowing that that is done, that you can raise it, get it processed. You know exactly where you're at with that with that ticket or, or that item. 
it's just one last thing to to worry about because where we live, how we live is such a big impact in terms of our psyche and the people that are serving for us. We want to make sure they're in the best possible mindset that we can imagine because, you know, it's, it's a duty. That's absolutely right. Here they have sacrificed their their lives to serve. Um, and and the last thing they, they deserve to do is go back to their barracks or, or raise children um, in these barracks. Those children make sacrifices too. The spouses make sacrifices and then have to live in in, in living quarters that that has has mold in it. And and so yes, any way that our solution can help modernize their living uh, conditions, um, it, it just makes us feel wonderful. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. So we kind of go a little bit more onto kind of the, the kind of the future and some of the things that are kind of giving you energy or, or exciting. Is there any particular projects that are kind of standing out that you're, you're really kind of excited to kind of get more involved in? Yes. And so uh, we are working with our public sector teams to implement what we are call what we are calling mission areas. We have identified six or seven critically important areas that we know are important to governments around the world and are beginning to tackle um, where can we socialize those mission areas, where can and how best can we determine um, that the government can go about funding those sorts of of mission areas. So if you take disaster assistance, for example, we know that, you know, look at what happened in Hawaii, um, you know, the island of uh, Maui, um, and how can we prevent that sort of issue from happening again? How can we mitigate against, um, you know, the alarm systems not going off or the decision to not have them going up? How do we create more awareness amongst the people who live on the island so that they can make the best decisions for themselves to evacuate? Um, can there be some sort of notification system if loved ones are missing? How can we as a company leverage our platform to help governments respond to those sorts of natural disasters more efficiently and effectively? And we are doing that and we have done that in Florida with Hurricane Ian. And, and so we're looking to figure out how best to scale it and how best to work with government so that they can figure out if this is a legislative fix. Is this um, a budgetary fix that we can create a line item to fund this sort of, of solution? Arm these agencies with the modern technology that they need um, to implement this sort of solution. So that they're communicating amongst other agencies. If you think about the cleanup after a disaster like this, a response and, and, and recovery, um, it is an interagency project. So are the agencies communicating? So that's just one uh, you know, subset of a mission area that we are working on. And it's and it's it's absolutely um heartwarming. Um, it's 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 exciting, it's challenging, and, and we pull together our teams internally to put those strategies, we're doing that, uh, putting those strategies together. Because as we said at the start of the show, although it's very, very diverse and every different country and area is going to have their own different issues that are personalized and relevant to them, we're all we're all the same. You know, there's there's going to be some unique truths that we we all want to get resolution for to live a better life and to be able to to provide that. So going after those kind of six missions is is, is particularly uh, inspiring for you to to as, as share as well. 
when you look at some of the new technologies that is allowing you to probably do your role better, we obviously kind of got Vancouver coming down the track. I spoke to Victor Chen, who was telling me about some of the innovations that are happening with generative AI as well. How do you start to feel that digitalization transformation is going to help uh, even, even impact further within government? So yes, that's and that too is an exciting topic. And our government relations team has been working on that within the company for nearly one and a half years now. And we formed an internal working group to to share internally what governments are doing by way of legislating and regulating artificial intelligence. And uh, we are a member of um, ServiceNow is a member of the European Internet Forum. And we were uh, invited and spoke on a panel with um, one of the rapporteurs, Dragos Tudorace, uh, who is one of the authors of the EU AI Act early on, uh, toward the end of the year last year. Uh, and we had the opportunity to sit with him and other panelists and talk about uh, what ServiceNow is doing, what what the what the opportunities are with artificial intelligence, what the challenges are, and how we have to be mindful not to leave communities further behind. We have to bring them along as uh, communities grapple with this, you know, the notion that jobs may be uh, become more automated and jobs may be lost. So um, educating those who want to go back to work, students who are majoring in computer science or information technology, coding, et cetera, um, or veterans who, are, who have finished their service and are looking for jobs. How can we prepare them with the digital skills that they need so that we are bringing them along. So we are helping shape legislation. We've, we are doing that in the EU. We are um, now beginning to do that in Congress, Canada, um, Brazil has uh, proposed legislation, Australia has legislation. And, and so we are excited about our Vancouver release and, um, and, and um, at the opportunity to talk more and more with policymakers about how it will help the integration of generative AI, how it will help um, improve productivity, employee productivity, responsibly, securely, safely, effectively. And, it, and it, all those things that you said in terms of technology as an enabler and, and helping, and you know, we, we can all see the benefits of that. And it, it's funny, Herb was on the show um, a couple of weeks back, and he was talking about from you know hands-on experience from you know, you know being in the military and then cross-training up and then coming into the world of, of service now, that you've got so many incredible people from all walks of life, but unless they're given the opportunity to to step up and be cross trained and kind of given that given that new lease of life, we're just going to waste waste it waste the talent for for themselves and the corporations and companies that we work for, but also as a society, we owe it to themselves that we don't leave people behind. You know, the the elevator or lift is sent sent back down to kind of keep everyone on the journey because society won't work, and that's why I'm I'm really happy with you know how people are being brought into the table on regulation because we know it's not necessarily a straightforward point of view that you know, we just regulate. There's obviously that kind of innovation regulation dance that is delicate because you don't want to be too innovative and not mind regulation, but they don't want to be too too much regulation and not enough on the innovation because then you become uncompetitive. So there's a there's a variety of different areas to one of the biggest challenges with regulation and such as the AI Act is you've got different sectors, different industries, different um locations having their own interpretation so we need to try to get some type of unified uh, thoughts on that so we can start to sell services services and products um in a way that it's very very straightforward 
but, but like everything you need you need dialogue on this and it's it's a, it's an ongoing process that's right mark and you know the uk has also uh, begun to take up uh, AI legislation, and there's going to be um, an AI summit in November that we are hoping to have representation, you know, at the summit. And and one of the key um, messages that you just touched upon um, is harmonization. The dialogue is so important, and what we would love to see as government relations experts and as corporate executives and just from 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 even a consumer angle, is to see harmonization so that we are all compliant with laws that are similar in nature. Now, we recognize that each country is unique and they have their own, um, you know, unique traits. And so some issues with regard to AI may be different. But the the basic tenets of artificial intelligence, you know, w- what does high risk um, mean, right? What does... Um, you know, a large language model mean who should who should put the who should develop the large language models? Who will be liable if some sort of risk takes place or some sort of discrimination takes place um, in in how these large language models are deployed? Those sorts of kind of foundational tenants we are hoping has you know it becomes harmonized around the world. So that from a compliance perspective, companies are compliant, governments are compliant, consumers are compliant. And uh, it's it's not easy, but the more governments talk, the more policymakers share best practices and developments, uh, the more that the EU commission, the parliament, the council speaks with, you know, the UK and uh, Congress and Aust- the Australian parliament, Canadian parliament. Um, if they talk more about what they are finding, perhaps we will get to a place where all of their laws have some basic tenets that we can all adhere to. Yeah, and then and then what you have is you've got more consistency. People feel more comfortable then to start creating products, bring them to markets. You've you've got more of a kind of a rule of thumb to work off. But with technology um, and innovation, sometimes it takes it takes a while for regulation to to cap up, ca- catch up. And this technology we've seen is moving so quickly that yes. we need to be even more mindful for it. Yes, and and Mark, one other item I'd like to add is that as these large language models are being developed. I think it's really important to make sure that you have diverse perspectives, diverse individuals um, helping develop those because then as they get developed, those individuals will take into account the ultimate impact as they get deployed. And I think that can also help mitigate against the risks. Absolutely. And we know that currently it, it's not a fair it's not a fair representation right so consequently there's there's so much different types of biases that we need to be be conscious conscious for as well but this is why the dialogue is important this is why different leaders are coming together they understand this more than ever is uh, a huge opportunity for civilization but also just getting it right having privacy by design but also kind of having that innovation and um, as a center point um, I feel like we could talk forever, but I think this is <laughs> going to have to be the, uh, the the last question. Nicole Francis Reynolds, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Mark. And on behalf of our CEO, Bill McDermott, and over 22,000 employees around the world, including close to 900 in Ireland, where you sit. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to sitting and visiting with you again soon. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oldest Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.